The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. Jordan Westerkamp, Nebraska wins the game. Oh! Puts it in the end zone. Hunter and Falk caught it. Touchdown! 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 Here goes Davis. Oh, my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the midfield goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. A punt on college football. Late today, two major conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, pulling the plug on the fall season. Uh, there is too much uncertainty now for us to feel comfortable. I think right now, like a lot of college football fans, just kind of devastated by the news that it's a reality now. Well, there won't be any college football as far as the Big Ten, and it sounds like eventually the Pac-12 for now. If there's one thing we learned on Tuesday, it's the game and everything around the game really matters to people. And today on Talkback, we're exploring how three things intersect. That's football, college, and culture. This week's podcast isn't so much about the insanity of the news about this conference is canceled, this one's playing. Instead, we're going to look at what this year actually means for the sport and the places and the people who are touched by it. I'm Cooper Boardman, and today you'll hear from Matt Chazanow, voice of the Washington State Cougars, Paul Peck, voice of the University at Buffalo, and Pete Thamel, national college football reporter for Yahoo Sports. And chances are, if you've been wondering about what this fall will look like, you've already read some of Thamel's work. If not, here's a really good place to start with an excerpt from a piece that Thamel wrote on Tuesday. Quote, with the 2020 season on the brink and the careers of the athletes in flux, there's a simple question that no coach, no administrator, or commissioner can answer right now. What's next? The unwinding has begun, and I think most of the people I talk to in the college sports landscape are wondering how it's going to happen. That unwinding has already begun, and then stopped and then begun again. The Big Ten, Pac-12, MAC already done. And look, there's so many voices here we're going to try to bring you as many as we can. There's the Pac-12 hashtag We Are United movement. That's a Players' Tribune article calling for better health plans for now and the future, player compensation, racial equality, and much, much more. There's hashtag We Want to Play, posted by the sport's biggest name, Trevor Lawrence, which calls for a Power 5 Players Association. Within all of this, there's agreement and there's dissent. There are more than 10,000 players in the FBS. All of them, along with every administrator and media member, just like Pete Thamel, can agree on one thing. I think we are amid a transformative time of player empowerment, and how history remembers the emergence of that um, is, is, a good, is a good question. But I think when you combine the, you know, the player movement stuff we saw in the wake of, uh, in the wake of George Floyd's uh, killing, and then you look at the... Pac-12 and now Big Ten and a little bit of AAC and they're in Mountain West and there may be more by the time people are listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, when you when you look at how those those have fallen and you combine it with the free transfer movement we're expected to have in January and then you combine it with obviously name, image, and likeness, which is coming at us very quickly. Um, 
in, in college sports, although we still don't know what the specifics of it are. When you, when you look at all those things, we, we are really going to be, when, when normal returns to college sports, it's going to be a completely new normal than what we remembered it. If you take one thing away from all of this, it's that this is all just a moving target. Good luck. I mean, there are too many mouths to feed. There are too many issues that have been a part of college sports for a long time. It's racial inequality, something that We Are United movement addresses. You're looking for player empowerment? How about McCore Maker, five-star basketball recruit? He committed to Howard, a historically black university, back in July, instead of Kentucky or Kansas or UCLA. Quote, I need to make the HBCU movement real so that others will follow. End quote. That's what he tweeted. He's the highest ranked player to ever commit to an HBCU. And this all matters in this context because it's what college football and college basketball players are thinking about as they're asked to play in a pandemic. Syracuse's Jim Beheims, he's addressed these issues before in relation to the Not Again SU movement, saying change is everywhere and it's rarely pretty. Pete Thamel knows Jim Beheim as much as any person can claim to know Jim Beheim. Pete covered him as a student with the Daily Orange in the late 90s, as a reporter with the Syracuse Post Standard after graduating in 99, and now on the national scene with Yahoo Sports. He, he's obviously the most transformative figure in, uh, in, in the history of that school. And uh, look, he is a complicated, caustic, uh, intense guy who's really like a survivor. Right. Like, you know, Jim Beheim is, you know, has a like myopic view of the, of the world through Syracuse, New York. It's all he's known and all he's had. And, uh, you know, it's through, through good times and bad. He you know, he loves that place. You, you, you can't uh, you can't deny it. You know, we've we've gone through some some battles over the years, but really enjoy his perspective. He's one of the very few people in the landscape of college basketball that really will give you his honest and unfiltered opinion at all times. Um, and I've come to really uh, come to really appreciate that at a at a time when a lot of coaches want to get messages across anonymously or lobby off the record. Jim picks up the phone and says says what's on his mind. Uh, his accessibility is really one of the things I always admired. If you need to talk to Jim Bayon, he's going to call you back. Bayon has been the coach at Syracuse longer than Pete Thamble's been alive, and Thamble's forty two years old. As for the prospect of actually playing college sports this year, here's what the headman said on SiriusXM this week. Well, what I see is with younger younger people under 25, there's nobody's dying. Anybody healthy is can get sick. 40 to 50 percent of the cases are are probably uh, with no effects. But when you see the football players coming back, and when they initially come back and test positive. That means they got it at home. Since they've been back on campus, these same football players are testing negative and are practicing already with no effects. Uh, you see that all over. You see the sports leagues that have started. There's There's been a couple little disruptions, but for the most part, these got healthy athletes either asymptomatic or they don't get anything from this disease. And I just don't see why we don't push forward like all the other sports have. And you're talking about college kids that are going back to school, and you're talking about high school kids that are going back to school. Because in my mind, this could go on for two years or three years. Are we just going to stop everything for two years or three years? 
I am not a great believer in a vaccine. We the flu vaccine still doesn't work, and we've been looking for that for thirty years or so. So I don't see a cure coming. And if there's not a cure coming, are we just going to give up and sit home for the next two years? There's a lot to unpack from that. Bayheim's voice rings out in the same way that Michigan football head coach Jim Harbaugh's does. Harbaugh put out the statement Monday asserting this season can safely go on. And you can say that, but you also have to look at players like SU's Cooper Dawson. He's already opted out because of health risks. And all of these different voices carry some kind of weight. They're reported on, yes, because of the visibility of college sports, but also because there's no national direction to be found. And this can't be understated. The Power Five is fractured. The ACC, whose board of directors is headed by SU Chancellor Kent Severud, reaffirmed its movement forward. And the SEC and the Big 12 seem to sprint forward as well. The Big 10 and Pac-12 have already marched the other way. And this leaves us all sitting here feeling senseless, trying to understand how we got here and wondering what's next for all these schools and all these programs. And that brings us to Matt Chazanow. He's the voice of Washington State football, basketball, and baseball. Two outs, bottom of the ninth, Sonnich, wide, Zan deals. Strike three's done it! A slider swung through and missed! And Scotty Sonnich, for the first time since 1976, has thrown a nine-inning no-hitter. Chazanow is from New Jersey. He picked Syracuse because he liked the school and then happened to find his passion during his sophomore year. Newhouse really connected with me. I went in and there was a meeting that Anish Shroff was leading and he was talking about what AER is and that they make cuts and that it's not your typical student station and you're going to learn a lot, but it's going to be hard. And, and I was all in. They said, you, you have to write cast at 3.30 in the morning once a week. And, and I was like, done. I love it. I'm all in. I said, I'll never miss a cast tonight. I handed the paper in. I, I thought I didn't make it. I, I, I went up to Anish. I was like, hey, this is my last chance at this. I'm a sophomore. I was like crestfallen. He said, sorry, I didn't control that process. It's kind of random. I went back to my room and Matt had left a voicemail on my landline to say I could get it. And to say I was, I was in, I was so excited and, and it all just clicked for me really did. Like, yeah, I was there freshman year and that national title was great. I played with Carmelo before I knew who he was on the, on an Archbold. Um, I was like, who's this guy taking all the shots? This guy's like six, eight, like banging jumpers. This guy's pretty good. Threw him an alley-oop. It's my, my basketball claim to fame. The crazy thing is that Mello story that Chazanow just told could never happen right now. The gym where he threw that lob, close because of COVID-19. But the drive and the determination you hear from Matt saying, 3.30 a.m., all right, let's go. That's true across college campuses, too. It's not just what you read about the irresponsibility of students that will ultimately stop this semester. It's just that you have to remember every single student is going to have something lost in radio stations, in biology labs, and maybe on athletic fields as well. Chaz was at SU during the Big East days. He got the trips to MSG. But after that, he spent a decade in North Carolina with High Point, UNC Greensboro, and then IMG Media. East Coast conferences are familiar, but for him, going west to Washington State brought brand new experiences. Our producer, Cara Mogline, he's an Oregonian. He'd say, hey, maybe there's something to that Pac-12 bias we're talking about. And that also applies to venues in this case. The Coliseum also, like the football 
Memorial Coliseum is so awesome. It is so underrated for because the Rose Bowl gets all this love because of the bowl game. First of all, Rose Bowl's dumb. The Rose Bowl needs to be facelifted so bad, and and the Coliseum is has been, but like all the history of the Coliseum, the torch and the the Olympic Games and the times it's been used for the Olympics. And I was there in 18 and it was, I I didn't expect to be blown away, to be honest, like for as like some college football venues can be really special. And that's a, I think that's a college football thing. Some college basketball venues can, you know, you've got like Cameron indoor, the carrier dome, carrier dome is overwhelming. It's just so, it's just so big. It's the eighth wonder of the world. But the, but like the Palestra and like some of these old gymnasiums are really historic. Like the Coliseum's that. It, it's awesome. I mean, it's like an America, it's important to America. Like it's, it's culturally like all the things that have gone on there and that's where the Trojans play. And so there's something stark and something really sad about places like the Coliseum with all of its real cultural significance, a place that's hosted a couple of Olympics, 90,000-plus Pac-12 fans over and over during every football season, sitting empty this fall. The Pac-12's risk assessment document is all about medical issues. The cancellation comes down to limited testing capacity, the unknown long-term effects, and number one, quote, Community prevalence remains very high in much of the Pac-12 footprint, end quote. And it's true. Arizona and Utah are the only couple of states that Pac-12 is in that are going to play high school football this fall. So much of all of this is hyper-regionalized, as Matt Chazanow knows. Tucson and Seattle are really far. You know, that's, that's Canada to Mexico. And, and you have that a little bit with, like, Boston College and Miami. But the SEC, the funny thing about the SEC is, and it's a great league, it's a top-heavy league for football quality, but it's a great league, but it's hyper-regional. It's the most regional league. You know, if if you go to Chicago, they probably care the least about the SEC. Like in New Jersey and New York, where I grew up, the Rose Bowl would matter. The Rose Bowl would kind of bring pack schools into your periphery because they're playing a Big Ten team, which felt like it would permeate the metropolitan area. That you know, there's an arrogance to the the whole country. Feels like it has a sort of arrogance over the South, like for better or worse. And I live there, and I love my wife's from North Carolina. You know, and but right, wrong, and not right, incorrectly, not right, wrong, and different, wrong. They feel arrogant. There's a co- there's coastal elitism and all that stuff, and that kind of plays into it. People here like the Egg Bowl. They're like Mississippi, Mississippi State. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm from New Jersey. You know, there's a certain arrogance to it. L.A. They feel the same way. Country bumpkins and all that stuff. So it's interesting culturally to to live it and and see what it feels like. Chazanel has a real understanding of where we're at right now because the differences between the Power Five conferences have a ton to do with geography and how regions view a situation that has never, ever happened before. It's why the Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceled on Tuesday. That's five months to the day that Rudy Gobert tested positive. And it's also in part why the MAC canned its season over the weekend. It's 12 schools, including the University at Buffalo, made up the first FBS league to call it. 
That includes Paul Peck, voice of Buffalo. He's an icon in Buffalo. He spent more than two decades as the sports anchor at WIVB in town, a decade with the Bills, and he's been the voice of the Buffalo Bulls for 18 years. Snap to number three, read option, handoff. Patterson sneaks through a hole at the 35 at the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, bullseye! Jarrett Patterson is born to run in the state of New Jersey, and it's a Buffalo touchdown. One note before you hear from Paul, he was interviewed on Friday, so a day before the conference announced its cancellation. I think if, if anything, if, if most college fans didn't already know it, they've learned through this pandemic situation of the disparity in college sports. Uh, you know, uh, when you when you look at the revenues that are generated and the potential for the revenues that are lost, um, you know, the kind of numbers that the Ohio States and the Clemsons and the Alabamas um, both bring in and could lose are astronomical compared to a lot of the smaller programs. And frankly, even though Syracuse is a power five program, I, I think even those numbers that that affect a Syracuse pale in comparison to the upper echelon of college athletics. So I think we've all learned our lesson. I think those of us that live a little more in the group of five world, um, you know, no decisions were going to be made by the Mid-American Conference or Conference USA until the big guys made their decisions. And essentially what they've decided is how it's affected everybody else. And, you know, and then you start to analyze, you know, Buffalo was supposed to play Ohio State. And that was going to be slightly under $2 million of a payday. Um, and when that $2 million is a significant percentage of a athletic budget, you start to see how the business of college athletics works. So now when you don't have that game, uh, there's a little more urgency on the part of the smaller schools to try to figure out how to make that money up. And all of that adds up to the max cancellation. So much of this conversation is about Ohio State and Alabama, but I'd argue that Columbus and Tuscaloosa have a lot in common with Buffalo, New York. Not in the way we watch those teams in the playoff on ABC in January, but in the way that a program's growth fuels a community. Peck saw it in western New York. For me, to see that program go from the brink of Division Three, move up to Division One, take all of the body blows that happens when a program does that, and to evolve to the point now where they have won conference championships, gone to bowl games, turned out NFL players, has been really fun and thrilling for me. And there have been games along the line that were incredible. So it remains 17-14 for the moment. Third goal from the eight, Davis in the shotgun. Unexpected, and to be a little bit a part of that history is important. Dives to the end zone, oh, ball, 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 ball picked up by the ball. Um, when I grew up, those play-by-play -play announcers were specifically linked to the team and, and any memories that you had of the team. Bullseye Mike Newton with the fumble return and the Buffalo touchdown. Heads up play by Newton, who jogged it 30 yards into the end zone. What a turnaround. I've always tried to be a part of that. I've always tried to make sure that I complimented and, you know, and emphasized whatever the moments were and lived up to the moments. So, you know, so that's been really fun for me to see the program grow and to be a part of this growth and, and to have friends who were guys on teams that went 0-11 but loved being around each other and their satisfaction now of seeing a program that, 
you know, that's that's a preseason favorite to win the conference. What can be lost in all of this, in the money, the frustration, the conferences, and look, all of that is very important, is the role of these schools and these seasons in college towns across the country. It's varsity in Syracuse, but it's also State Street brats in Madison, and so on and so on, because these issues are going to continue to play out. They affect everything. The ramifications, endless, all of that. But there are clear patterns that emerge. There are haves and there are have-nots. And the disparity between those two, and this is the most important thing, the disparity between those two has never been stripped down like it is right now. Again, I think it's different um, at the bigger schools where the, where the, the money, you know, where the football program can generate $200 million a year. Obviously, that's not happening in a Mac school where the facilities are, are crazy and lavish um, as they are anywhere else. And obviously, I think some of the players see all of that uh, and kind of wonder, you know, wait a minute, we're spending all this money on, on all these locker rooms. Is that money that, that could be or should be going to the players? Um, so I haven't heard a whole lot of that upcry, uh, you know, out, outcry and uproar uh, at this level, not to say that the players that play at this level aren't as concerned about their health as the other players are, but but I think with anything else, when when you know if you focus in, and again we all tend to focus on the sport as Alabama, a Clemson, and Ohio State, you know where where, where they're bringing in two hundred million dollars a year in football revenue, and we we know that's not the case at most of the college programs, including places like Syracuse and other places in the ACC. So, you know, I think when those numbers start to get thrown around because they're sort of the, the default numbers that people write about and report on, um, I, I'm sure that that paints the picture for the players to go, wait a minute, all this money is on the line here and, and you know, and maybe we deserve more of it or deserve a bigger part of it. You know, and again, I think a different dynamic of a place like the Mid-American Conferences, while while every player that comes here has desires and aspirations to play in the NFL, I think there's a little more reality in it that more of the guys come here for the education and the experience uh, and hope maybe that the NFL becomes an option for them. But, you know, it's not like at Alabama where, you know, three quarters of the guys that that are in a recruiting class are going to get drafted. That's not the dynamic at a place like this. The MAC never had a chance to play football this fall. The ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC might. Every turn presents new and very, very real questions. If you cancel, where does your revenue come from? When will you play again? And if you continue, how do you keep people safe? And above all, it's the question that Pete Thamel posed at the start of this episode. What's next? Thanks for joining us for our 19th episode. A reminder, subscribe to TalkBack on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a big thank you to Pete Thamel, to Matt Chazanow, and Paul Peck for taking the time. This is a WAER Sports Podcast produced by Carl Mogline, along with reporting from Marcus Gronauer and Brandon Ross. I'm Cooper Boardman, and we'll talk to you next week.